This is a production of Gordon College's Scott Radio. Scott Radio. Everybody, this is Ben Schneider, back at it again for another episode of The Ben Schneider Show, episode 14. We've got a great guest for you guys today. It's Sebastian Toro, uh, Gordon Men's cross-country and track captain. So, Toro, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it, Ben. Um, hey, what's up, everyone? Um, I love y'all, whoever's listening out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, you used to have your own show, right? I used to, yeah, back yeah. in the day. Tell um, me a little bit about that. Yeah, back back sophomore year, I you know Aaron Aaron Lewis and I um, shout out to Aaron Lewis, one of the one of the craziest musicians I know, producers as well. Hit him up. Uh, he he does really good production. Him and I are very very into hip hop, and so we had a hip hop hour um, on Scott Radio. I forget what day, I forget what time, but it was really cool. We had it pretty structured in the sense that we talked about. Uh, well, current events that was happening in hip hop, um, special topics like women in hip hop, the LGBTQ community in hip hop. We would play songs, we would play uh, music, either relating to the topic or, or, you know, that had a little bit to do about the conversation. And then we always try to have a guest, so it would always be at least three people in the in the studio. And that guest didn't know it, but we always had the last five ten minutes of the show. It was kind of like sway in the morning, like a freestyle. Like we would throw on a production, we would throw on a beat. They didn't see it coming, but they had to freestyle over the beat. And so some people were prepared and they knew that, well, you know, they knew they had to have something written. They had to have something ready. Other people had no idea what to do. We had someone, I think they rapped Let It Go or they freestyled Let It Go or or the Happy Birthday song. They just had no idea. So it it was a good time. It was fun. Back in sophomore year. So like two years ago now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So we had a meet at Bowdoin College on Saturday. uh, First indoor meet Gordon's had in a while um it was a so-so meet for me I thought um I know you PR'd so you probably had a you pr- probably had a pretty good time um tell me a little bit about how your events went yeah so first of all Ben I'm sorry that it went so-so um I yeah. I didn't realize that well, I'll, um, t- I'll tell you what yeah happened after sounds good to me yeah I I ran the the 3000 meter the 3k on the on the indoor track which is 15 laps around an indoor track um, so it feels like you're turning for a little bit. You're, you're, you know, you're just going, going around in circles. Um, but it was, it was pretty good. I, you know, I personally wasn't, wasn't a hundred percent sure how I was going to do. I've been struggling with a, a shin splint, um, for the past three weeks now, I would say. And so I've been doing a lot more cross training. I've been doing a lot more pool running. I've been doing a lot more, uh, you know, elliptical, all that jazz. And so it's been, a little bit mentally tough just because, you know, I want to be running and I feel like I, I'm my most fit when I'm running. But, you know, combined with the lifting and the cross training, I was still able to manage to to PR, which was super nice. Um, I'm ahead of where I was last, like, conference championship of last track season. Um, that's where my 3K PR was. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, during warm-up, I was nervous. I, you know, I felt like I, I felt pretty exhausted from the week. Um, I don't know why, I guess the workouts were getting to me or I was just mentally not there. But once I was back inside, I mean, I felt, I felt the hype. I felt the energy. I felt a lot of people, a lot of people were expecting good things from me. Even coach, um, coach expected me to go under 10 minutes. Um, that was my goal. My goal was to go under 10 minutes. And then my secondary goal was to, was to PR. Um, and then my reach was about a nine, nine forty, nine forty five. 45. Um, so not not a bad race. I stepped on the line, and then from the gunshot, I I felt that competitive hunger again. Um, straight into like the top two three positioning, 
obviously I didn't hold it, but you know, I was able to like pop off. And when I pop off, I know I'm, I'm in the race and I was in the race for, for, I would say seven, at least seven, eight laps with a, with a two other guys and they, and they were pulling me along and I felt smooth. I felt good. Um, it wasn't until like the last 800 meters where like I, I should have got more grittier and that's where I kind of lost like touch with the other, with the other competitors. Yeah, is that an overall PR or is just overall yours? overall wow. PR? Yeah, by thank you by three seconds overall PR. Never ran. I've never ran under nine fifty six until yeah until this past Saturday. Uh, I ran nine fifty three. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, so I did the eight hundred. We had, I think the like the kid was leading the race, um, and one of the officials was mm-hmm. sweeping. Uh, the jump pit. I guess there there's some dirt that had been pushed onto the track, and he was going out to sweep as the leaders were coming by. I and heard about this. He just totally got his legs swept out from under him. Yep. And it slowed. I mean, Evan was in the lead pack, and we were me, uh, Philip, and Diaz were a little bit further behind, obviously. Um, but it completely halted their uh, momentum, and, and I felt bad for the kid because. It, his race was was over at that point. Yeah. Um, and even then, he, he. I mean, I think he hit his head on the ground. Oh wow. Um. So, yeah. I mean, clearly shaken up. He tried to get back up and and start again, but then yeah. he fell back to his knees and was still in the first lane. So we even had to, even though we were a wow. good bit behind, we had to go into the second lane to uh, get around the corner. Um, yeah. But yeah, just uh, not really anybody in my uh, range. Mm. Aside from Philip and uh, Andre, because um, there's there's a fine line between wanting to get a good start and and see if you can hang and push yourself and uh, and not wanting you to go out too fast. Um, yeah. And I feel like you know Diaz and I really just started racing each other um, mm. around the second and third lap, uh, not really focusing on time. So I, I feel like if I hadn't fallen asleep as much as I had. During the middle part of the race, I probably could have run a couple of seconds faster, but it's only my second indoor eight ever. Um, okay. The first was Wesleyan, which is usually indoors anyway because of, a, of snow the weather, and weather this yeah, time yeah. of year. Um, but that was freshman year. I did a two thirty six, so if I figured I was going to at least PR. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the indoor. See how? Yeah, PR and mm. indoors. Uh, to clarify, um, goal is just to see how massive of a PR I could get. So I would have liked to go a little bit faster, but it's the first meet, uh, just really a tune-up meet. So we'll see how the season goes from here. Yeah, I mean, it sounds good to me. I mean, yeah. I was I was happy with everyone's performances, and everyone just, you know, was... was it was uh, it was more of a um, a meet to get hungry, a yeah. meet to, to get those, yeah, those competitive... Yeah, I'm glad we did it. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think everybody's... Once we get back from spring break and get into a real competition season, everybody's already going to have the experience under their belts um so i think that'll help us yeah uh, I, I, no i completely agree sorry I, I pulled up actually the results of this past meet i was just curious i haven't even looked at the results of the men's 800 meter yeah was yeah, it so was evan it, was up there in that lead pack um was the did not finish kid the guy who got swept yeah oof that's rough yeah yeah so i didn't evan probably knows a little bit better because he was up there um but mm-hmm. Yeah. Was this just, split into two heats or how many heats? There was were this? two heats. Oh, yeah. gotcha, so, gotcha, gotcha. So it was actually all four of us were. Yeah, the, the first heat was like stupid fast. Oh, I um, can imagine. I mean, they they all went one, two, three, one. Yeah. At least the six winner, people. The winner went did a one fifty eight, which to yep. put that into 
context, our indoor school record is 158. So wow. they had some really fast guys. This was a very competitive meet. It was. It was it a was. very was competitive surprised. meet. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at the results of last year, and I saw a bunch of guys went sub 930 for the 3000, and I was like, oof, this is going to be a tough one to race. Um, but I personally didn't do too bad. And based on the 800, I mean, overall, I mean, you were, you got a 10 second PR in the indoor. So yeah. What's yeah. your overall 800 PR? Uh, I guess open it's 217. When I, when we, uh, did the SMR, we broke the school record in that mm-hmm. last year. Uh, I did a 215 split, but I had a running start. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So that's and, pretty, so that's, that's pretty good anyway, but I mean, but then I think I did a 217 because I did the 800 later that day. Um, mm. So if I hadn't had 800 meters on me already, I probably could have gone one or two seconds faster in yeah. the open eight as well. Um, so yeah, 215, 217, that's mm. what I'd say would be my PR. Um, and then you did the 4x4 four four too, right? Yo, I forgot about that 4x4. Four four. Uh, were you four planning by... on that or were you an alternate? And I, You know, I was not planning on that until the the day before our our meet saturday so friday coach pulls me aside he pulls uh jvb jonathan and i aside and he's like i want one of you two to to run the four by four and then uh and then between the two of us i had a faster 400 time than than jonathan and so he gave it to me even though i was gonna come off a 3k regardless jonathan was sick so he wasn't able to make it to the meet um but it's because Crowder, his Josh Crowder, his his um hamstring, he's been having a little bit of of, it's not torn or anything, it's not strained, but it was definitely like pulled or tweaked, and so we just yeah. didn't want to risk the, you know, popping, you yeah, know, that popping motion. Season, exactly, yeah. we we rather play it safe, and I think he did the smartest thing to be honest. I think he really did the smartest thing. For me, it was um, I'm not a 400 runner. I kind of look ugly out there when I'm running a 400. Um, but regardless, it was like I finished the 3K. I had to go change from my split shorts to to spandex, and then I had to get ready and just hop on the line for for another two laps. Um, I feel like I, you know, I got some good tone turnover. I tried really, you know, booking it, um, but at the end of the day, I think we we all recognized for me that was more of a more of a, a a mini workout than than an actual split or race or whatever you want to call it because. I was I was gassed from the 3K. I was very very sure. tight, tired, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it was fun. I was I was glad I was able to help out the team in that sense, the B team at least. That we weren't the A yeah. squad, the B team. But apparently the B team, we were right around where our A team was last year, which is which is kind of um, shocking and yeah. I guess impressive to see where the team is heading right now. Yeah, I still remember uh, Regis last year because um, you you and Chandler had just done that 5K. Regis, then, yeah, Regis is yeah. a special, special meet for me. Yeah, and mm. then we were about to start the four by four, and uh, you were just gassed. Obviously, Chandler's the first alternate for that; he's gassed as well. And so, I'm standing here in my jacket, thinking I'm done for a day. And coach looks at me and he says, "Hey, Schneider, are you warm?" And I'm like, "Uh, a little bit." Yeah. And that's when I knew I was going to have to race. Yeah. Um. So again, that that wasn't really like a a planned. Yeah, uh, thing or whatever. Yeah, just, that, go, just going out to do that for fun mm-hmm. and uh, see what I could do with not a whole lot of, of warm up. But yeah, that, that's the yeah. that's the thing with track, man. You never know. You never know what events you're gonna end up doing yeah. on the track. You always gotta be prepared for whatever for whatever coach wants you to do, especially when it comes to relays. Yeah, yeah. There's always a lot of pressure on the relays, just because you know you got three other guys that are counting on you yep. to to put your work in. Um, very, very true. Yeah. 
Well, Toro, uh, I guess just to start, um, I know you're from New York. Uh, yeah, born but, and raised, Queens, yeah. New York. Shout out to East Coast. Yeah, but uh, I don't know too much about your uh, early years before Gordon beyond that. So uh, just tell me a little bit about growing up there in the city. Oof. And uh, You're asking you're what, asking for yeah. a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Just whatever, yeah, you, whatever I, you have to share. Yeah, that's fine. I born and raised Queens, New York. Um, my mama, my pops, um, they traveled from Colombia to to New York City because they wanted a better life for me. They wanted they wanted me to be born in an area and in a country that had some sort of opportunity, at least more opportunity than than back home in Colombia. Um, to give a little bit of context, this was around um, the latter years of of the of the drug wars of of a you know Medellin cartel that was happening with with Pablo Escobar and and all these narcotraficantes and all, and all that jazz um for anyone who's seen narcos that you know that is a pretty dramatic but pretty historically accurate description of what was happening in colombia at the time um but yeah my my parents you know what like like any um context they're they are legally here now like i don't want anyone thinking that my family's illegal we are legally here in this country they have paper they're, they're citizens um but at the time of my birth they weren't um which is a whole other story um my pops got deported when i was about six or seven um and he got killed back in colombia uh, which is completely fine i mean it's part of my story at this point it's part of what happened um and my mom was a single mother in queens new york raising me uh she flew out my grandmama my grandmama was able to get a visa uh so my grandma raised me as my mom was working Overtime, my mom's always been a chauffeur her whole life, so she's been driving taxis, driving, um, you know, private car, uh, you know, rich people who could afford these kinds of luxuries or whatever. And, yeah, my grandmother was the one who, who raised me um, throughout elementary school, middle school. I would go, I did Taekwondo for eight or nine years, ever since I was like about six years old. That was, uh, that was something special in my heart. Um, I... You know, it made me, it really made me who I am because my Taekwondo instructor, he learned the art in Colombia and he brought the art to to inner city Queens um, in this neighborhood called Jackson Heights. In Jackson Heights, it's just a bunch of Latino kids, a bunch of Mexican kids, Colombian kids, um, Dominican kids, Central American kids. And we all had that same story that our parents put us or our mamas put us in this in this Taekwondo class to get off the street and make sure we're not like, you know, we have something to do after school because that was a big issue um, back home is that there there was kids getting involved in, in, you know, the street life because they didn't have something to do after school. Like, their parents are always working, immigrant parents working, you know, doing their thing, and, and what else would a kid do? Um, one of my closest friends, John, shout out to John. Um, him and I are still very, very good friends. But in middle school, he was, you know, he was... Um, what's the what's the word i'm looking for he was like playing with fire he was hanging out with with people who were involved in the blood gang and he himself got arrested in in the eighth grade or seventh grade um and it was hard for me personally seeing seeing him in handcuffs at such an early age um but that was just kind of like the lifestyle i was surrounded by um back home It, it was just the normal and so I guess I, I really love my city and I appreciate where I came from because I, I saw a lot of things a lot of people don't see and I learned a lot of things a lot of people don't learn. And at the end of the day, every every little thing I think makes me who I am. Um, 
and and yeah and my taekwondo instructor just circling back he he was my father figure for when my father wasn't around um and so i really looked up to him and he he really made me who i am as well um his name is ren swadis i have a lot of love for that man and after that you know middle school came around fun fact i did jazz band in middle school um not my proudest moments but um, I had fun with it. I had aspirations of going to uh, Frank Sinatra High School, LaGuardia High School, for those of you who don't know. Those are very top-notch performing arts schools in New York City. That's where uh, the only person I know who got there went there is Nicki Minaj. But still, like, there's a lot of people who come from these performing arts schools. Um, but I couldn't afford my instrument. I used to play baritone saxophone. I couldn't afford my instrument. Therefore, I wasn't able to go up to a performing arts school. So I ended up going to my fifth choice school and to explain a little bit and when you're in middle school you apply to high schools just like you apply to college uh you look for the program you want to you're interested in um and you just apply to it and then you hope that you get in um and if you don't get into anything then you go to your zone school the school that's like closest to you sorry if i'm talking too much no, but like i'm no, just kind of like going for it keep that. going yeah um and so i got into my fifth choice school i got denied by four of my top choice schools got into my fifth choice um, shout out to Bayside High School, um, and it was it was a good school. I mean, I, I you know I I ended up going. I planned on playing soccer and basketball and volleyball, but I I missed the soccer tryouts at the time because I was uh, I was over it with my family in Colombia, and so I ended up uh, joining cross country. And this is where my running story begins. Um, I joined cross country, and ever since then. I just continued running and I went straight into indoor and outdoor and I realized I had potential. Um, when I was in a freshman in high school, I was in the top five freshmen in New York City, like in the city throughout for the two mile. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I was number, oh no, when I was a sophomore as well, I was number, the top, I was the top cross country runner in Queens, um, which was like a really cool position to hold. And then Junior, senior year came around. Senior year, I was in the top, I think I was in the top eight overall in New York City, um, which was also a really cool position to hold. Never made states. Never, never. New York City is a very slow section when it comes to cross country. The top guys are running 1740s at most. And, you know, there's other other high schoolers around the United States that are running like 16s, 15s. Sure. So New York City is a slow area. But... For for my little for my little bubble, I felt like I was pretty fast running uh, seventeen fifty one. I think was one of my PRs in high school. Um, but yeah, and so I continued running through, and I got uh, I New York City is one of the only areas in the United States that has the steeplechase in high school. And I started steepling when I was a freshman, so I hold the freshman record back in my high school, as well as the outdoor steeplechase overall three K record in my high school as well. Um, and that's I came into college already knowing how to steeple, and so that's how I became a steepler. I was uh, the tenth best steepler in New York City, um, which was also something cool to have. And so that's like a little bit about my running story. And then I guess a little another fun fact before I forget, I ballroom danced for five years. Um, New York oh, wow. City, yeah, nice. New York City public elementary schools have a program called dancing classrooms. It was started by Pierre Dulaine, um, this French man who wanted to teach young boys and girls social skills and how to like interact with the opposite gender um, at a very young age so you wouldn't be, I guess, awkward or whatever you want to call it. Um, and so we, we did uh, ballroom dancing in the fifth grade and 
my elementary school, we compete throughout other elementary schools, and then we ended up getting like second in the city, which was something cool. Um, I specialized in the tango with my partner, and then I got a, I guess, a scholarship in a sense to continue dancing, and I danced um, at the at Dancing Classrooms Academy in Herald Square in Manhattan, and I dan I would go every weekend to get take classes, and I would still compete and all that jazz, and I met a lot of really cool people there. Um, very similar story. A lot of like Hispanic kids, black kids who who were able to continue dancing through this program. Um, shout out to Victoria Vidal. She's one of my closest friends back home, and I met her through dancing classrooms, um, which was super super cool. And yeah, and I, I continued doing that for five years, and it's just a little cool skill I have that yeah. I that I guess yeah I yeah. learned how to interact with the opposite sex because of it. So yeah, I got to ballroom dance uh, last year. At Gordon? For, yeah, I took... Well, I, you know, it was frustrating looking back on it because they axed the uh, physical the education yes. requirement right after I took yes. my class. Um, but I, I don't regret it. It was actually my favorite class that I took. Uh, I guess mm. I guess it was only the third quad last mm. year. Um, but And uh, especially fun because Eddie's the TA for that class. Yes, he is. So. Shout out to, to Edison. Yeah, he's our, our throwing coach. He he's a really good guy, really good dancer too. I took that ballroom dance class when I was a freshman. Okay, so I think three years ago now I took that class with Miss Tina. Yeah, and it's a fun class. It's yeah, a very it is. fun class. And even after that, I would pop in just to say hi, just to do whatever. Um, I took it because I already knew how to dance, and so I figured out oh, why not. But regardless, it's a, such a great class, and it's frustrating that PE got got removed and got cut and all that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So. Tell me a little bit about your uh, story coming to Gordon. Um, what the what the whole college search looked Oof. like for you, and uh, co- coming Oof. to join the teams here. Yes, I I could definitely talk. That's a little bit of a long story, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I I wasn't planning on going to college. Um, my family and I we couldn't afford college, and so I was thinking potentially community college, but if not, just going straight to work. I did graduate with a diploma um, in nonprofit management in my high school because my high school was becoming a career technical high school where we could kind of like start working right off the bat. And so one of my teachers at high school was trying to set me up to be a project manager. But this kind of ties into like my faith story in a sense because I didn't I wasn't really a Christian growing up. And it wasn't until my junior senior year that I became a Christian. My mom started going to this church. No, it was first my stepdad. So. So at the time, my stepdad and my mom were, were dating and whatnot, and he started going, so she started going. And then I eventually started, they invited me, and I eventually started going. Um, first time I go to church, I was super skeptical because I just didn't know what Christianity was, what faith was, all that jazz. And so I was like, oh, you know, whatever. And the sermon was cool, it was whatever. And then this guy comes up to me, is like, hey, do you want to receive prophecy? And I was super skeptical. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he starts talking to me. And that's why I realized it wasn't him talking. It was God talking to me. Because the first thing that God tells me is, I brought you here, my child, for a reason. And don't you worry, my child. You're not going to pay a single cent for your future. And when he said that, I just started crying because I was like, how is this random person going to know what me and my, my parents are going through and what my family is going through? And ever since then, I started going to church trying to figure out what Christianity is, what, who Jesus is, you know, who God is. Um, and for those of you, you know, wondering, I... I, like my church is like has Pentecostal principles, so so it's uh we believe in in the Lord um, blessing you through the Holy Spirit, you know, you with the gifts of prophecy, gifts of healing, gifts of teaching, speaking in tongues, all that jazz. 
And so I was, you know, I, I started going, I started trying to figure this out. In the meantime, this was around the time I was applying to colleges and schools and whatnot. Um, do you know about the, you know, the blackboard, uh, not blackboard, that's Gordon, um, the college board search sure. engine. Yeah. yeah. So I put everything I wanted into school and Gordon was the first school that popped up. And so I was like, oh, I don't know what Gordon is, but sure, I'll, I'll like apply to it. It has things I want and whatever. And I applied to it. Mind you, I didn't even know what a Christian school was. Like, I didn't know that such a thing existed. Because back, back in Queens, there's a school called St. John's University I live by. And St. John's University is a Catholic-affiliated school. Which, to me, means, like, all right, like, they have, like, Catholic principles. But you, see, you still see Muslim students. You still see Jewish students. You still see all, the, all kinds of students. And so I remember one of my first conversations with a Gordon admissions counselor. Like, I, we're just talking on the phone. And they tell me about like oh faith and Christianity and what like asking me about my faith and I'm like yo like yeah but okay but you guys have like Jewish students and Muslim students and they're like no we only have Christian students and I was so confused super super confused and like now that I look back at it I was pretty embarrassed of not knowing that but it's just something I was no used to I was used to having all these different cultures around me. Um, I mean, Ryan, one of my closest friends, he back home, he's Hindi, and it's just like you know, it's normal. Like it's normal to be interacting with every everyone from everywhere. And I applied to Gordon. I applied. It wasn't my top choice. It was like safety school, you know, just whatever. I applied to twelve other schools, twelve or thirteen other schools. Wow. I got into yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I listen. I so I I'm not trying to I'm not trying to crap on on New York City public schools, but the high school the new york city public school education system like my high school was about 3500 to 4000 students and there was only 13 guidance counselors for all those students so we don't have college counselors and we don't have people guiding us on how to do this correctly so i kind of had to figure everything out on my own um and so i kind of just like tried doing it you know someone told me oh do like three safety schools three target schools and like three reach schools or like three, four, three to four, three to four, like safety, target, reach, whatever. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Um, and I applied to all these schools. And the one thing was none of these schools were was like offering me enough financial aid or, um, you know, enough scholarship. So I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I get called to go to, to Gordon for the Clarendon program. And I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. Gordon flies me out for Clarendon Day, right? And I get to Clarendon Day, and there's 80 students. And the Clarendon program only accepts 10 students every year. So there's 80 students competing for 10 spots. And I meet so many amazing people. I'm like, no way am I going to get this, right? And then I go through the process. You know, it's a bunch of, like, paperwork. It's a group interview. It's a personal interview. And then you're just interacting with people throughout the whole day. Um, long story short, a month later, I get a call um, from Rachel Henderson. She's the one that gives me the news. And she's like, hey, Sebastian, I'm sorry to say, but congratulations, you're in the uh, Clarendon program. And when I got that call, I started crying because at that moment, I knew that God, what God says becomes true. Because I remembered back about a year earlier how God was like, and don't you worry, my child, you're not going to pay a single cent for your future. And the Clarendon program's uh, full tuition. It's a full tuition scholarship. And for me, it was such a blessing. And that's when I really realized god wanted me there for a reason and it was the only christian school i applied to too so that's when i re-realized even more like god wants me at gordon for a reason so that's how i ended up coming to gordon um mind you i had a teacher who told me you're never going to succeed in college like you're wasting your time um because you're not prepared for college level work which was the craziest thing and then a guidance counselor who told me oh like you shouldn't even be looking at like 
you know, private out-of-state schools. Um, you should be looking at community colleges or city schools. But I, I wanted to reach, you know, I wanted to push myself a little bit. Yeah, that's an amazing story. Thank you for Thank that. You. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so tell me about how you got involved with uh, the, obviously you had a running background, um, but tell me about the first time you interacted with Coach Weikert and how you've seen the cross-country and track teams grow from your freshman year to now as a as a senior. Yeah, so I love Coach Weikert a lot. When I came to visit Gordon, I met Coach, I don't even remember his name. Oh, Carter. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk badly. But I met Coach Carter. I met. I met Coach Samantha, who were the previous coaches with before Coach Weikard, the Weikard generation, as I like to call it. Um, and they were interesting. I, you know, it it didn't seem like they cared all that much, but I, you know, I I didn't know what to expect. I thought I thought maybe I just had a bad impression or whatever. I get to camp, and mind you, I have no communications through over the summer, nothing. Like the summer before I came in as a freshman um, to Gordon. No communication, nothing. I didn't know what to expect. And then the first time I met Coach Weikert was was um, moving, not moving day. It was mo- cross-country moving day, I would say. Because I moved in for Clarendon like a week earlier before cross-country runners came in for, for moving day. And I met Coach Weikert because he met us for lunch, I think. And I remember it. I remember, I don't know why, but I remember that we were eating like a a sandwich. It had like a lot of bread on it. And I think that was my first moment of like realizing Lane puts too much bread and not enough substance in their sandwiches. But I remember eating that. I remember we were in Chester's and I remember there was about, I would say, 10 of us. And I remember Julia very distinctly, and I remember Coach Weicker very distinctly. Um, and we were just talking, interacting, all that jazz. And we, you know, we went straight into preseason. We were training and all that. And I always remember Coach Weicker bring this up, brings this up every once in a while, but how welcoming we were to him and just accepting of this new person. And I didn't understand it at the time, but for the older kids, the sophomore, juniors, and seniors, for them, it was like a fresh breath because they've gone through so many ups and downs through the program, so many different coaches, that for Coach Weicker to come on to the, to, to the team and to this program was for them some, something like a huge blessing. And that's why they just welcomed him with open arms because he was very nervous that he was going to come on and not be welcomed or not be accepted because he's the new guy around campus. Um, mind you, he has no connection to Gordon whatsoever. He was just saw the head coach position open and he just went for it. Yeah. And he did it because he loves to coach. Like he didn't have to do it. He could have been a stay-at-home dad, but he loves to coach, so he wanted to continue pursuing his passion. And I have a lot of respect for that. My freshman year, we were only 15 people on the team for cross country. And we have grown that to over 40, I believe. It's a little over 40. Yeah. And I give him a lot of props for him because he's done a lot of the work. I've helped here and there with recruiting, but a lot of props to Coach Weikert for, for the for the amount of recruiting he's done and just the growth he, he's made on the team because he changed my freshman year. It was this kind of like this running club, this like kind of like, oh, whatever, like there's a bunch of runners there to this NCAA, NCAA Division three cross-country program. It's a varsity sport that's like respected now. Um, and it's it keeps it's growing every year, and I'm excited to see where it'll go. Yeah, I still remember 
uh, the dinner the night before we went out for preseason my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you were an RA, so you couldn't yes. go. But I remember you coming down and being amazed at how many people were were on the team. I was I was shocked. Um, I was shocked because that was about I think it was like double of what we had my freshman year. So the fact that we had so many new people on the team for me was just just so relieving to see that this grow man this program's you know growing instead of decreasing. Yeah, I, I think was, the freshman class alone was was probably bigger than oh, the whole yeah. team the year before. I mean, and every year it's been like this. I yeah. feel like every year the senior the senior class is the smallest class out of all the other classes. I mean, look at our past cross country season. We had like maybe three seniors at most. Like, we barely had any seniors, and we had a roster of 40-something. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it's uh, it's great for the future of the program, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, so tell me about some of your favorite uh, memories and, and meets and races that you've had here. Oof. Um, okay, first thing, first one that popped up, this past meet was great. I, I really had a great time. Sure. Um, so I think it was a great way to start my senior year track season. Um, this past cross country season was my best cross country season to date as well. Um, New England Championship, I feel like I, I performed, I did what I had to do. I surprised myself at Conference Championship as well, but I think the New England Championship will have a special place in my heart because because of the energy, the crowd. My parents came up, my mom, my stepdad, my grandma, and my dog all came up, and they've never like you know seen my races like that, and so to have them running around screaming all that jazz it was it was really really i don't know it was a really special moment and the fact that i performed and went under 28 minutes um i think really meant a lot for me and it felt it felt great i mean running through you know through the freezing cold like that's always a great cross-country experience and just the crowd and the energy it was really really good i would say some other memories um snhu last year um southern new hampshire university meet I set my personal record in the steeplechase there, and it was such a great field. There was about 17 guys in the steeple, which never happens. There's only ever like five to seven guys. So the fact that there were 17 and we were pretty competitive, I think I finished like sixth overall or seventh overall, um, and, you know, PR'd by about 10, 15 seconds. It was, yeah. it was a really special moment. That was a great meet for all of us. Yeah, it was, I a, think. It yeah. was a really a lot great of, meet. A lot of school records yep. being broken. Uh, Julie in the women's steeple yeah, as well. That was that was special. That was a very, very special meet. Um, Regis with Chandler, that also has a special place in my heart. Um, going 17.05 for the 5K. You know, I, I wish I would have break in 17. Hopefully this year we'll see. But being able to just work with Chandler, I think that was the one of the best moments we've had together because it was like, you know, 12 and a half laps, and he would take a lap, and then I would take a lap, and he would take a lap, and I would take a lap, where we, it, it just kind of pulled us through. Um, He ran like 16.55, and I ran 17.05, and it was just like, we we both didn't realize we could do that. And the fact that we both were just gritty, and we were just kind of going after it, I think it was really special. Um, Aside from those, I would say the other memorable one, would be I doubled last year in track in the 3K and 5K. That was tough. I wouldn't say the most memorable. It was definitely very tough, though. Um, the We had a New England championship my sophomore year, and it was up at Groden, Maine. I think that's the area. It was on a golf course. It felt very official. Cross country, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like one of the most official meets I've ever like raced in. 
because I've never raced on a golf course before and the the way it was set up like they had flags like you know scattered throughout the whole golf course and it was very very official with the NCAA regionals banners and everything like that so that was a really cool moment and other than that I mean another great moment is when I traveled to see Maddie and and um Damon Kilgore when they were performing their junior year on the track um getting to see them perform on the track was was super cool and I traveled three hours to what's that place Williams I think it was Williams it was super cool to be able to see them compete um and it, it's all for me it's always good, cool to be the the spectator for once you know being able to cheer on my teammates and help them in any way possible what goals do you have for the rest of this year Oof, goals um we talk about the season yeah sure. um the season yeah I, you know, I, I want to continue performing. Um, steeplechase, I, I definitely want to PR. I think I have the potential to PR. Um, I don't see why not. I've been doing a lot of hurdle work as well with Ethan Minyard, and he's really, really helped me. I would say PR is definitely a goal, and it's it's a very reachable goal, I feel. Um, a dream would be to get the school record in the steeple, which is at 10-10 or 10-09 right now. You know, I don't know what the chances are there, but hey, that that would be a dream. And if not, you know, I I I don't beat myself up. I I always try to adjust my goals throughout throughout the season. Um, so those are just some of the personal yeah. things that I have in mind. Yeah, Wes Nelson, ten oh nine sixty one. Yes, uh, from twenty sixteen. Uh, yeah. Yep, sounds about right. I know Wes. I know I know Wes personally. Well, not personally, but like I've met him in person, and so him and I actually were we're right about where we were at the end of cross-country season this past season. He was running about the same time as I was running this past cross-country season. So I feel like I'm, I'm set up in a really good position. I guess I just have to focus these next two months, um, you know, doing all the extra outside stuff, like sleeping well, eating well, staying hydrated, stretching, core, all that jazz. Yeah. What um, is your PR? It's a uh, 10, like 39 or 40, something okay. like that. So it's like, it's a little out there. But I, you know, I, I mean, I dropped 20 seconds in a month from the the 3K time trial we did to to this past 3K. So yeah. I don't see why I can't get close. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you're always gonna go faster. I feel like on an outdoor. Oh, 100 percent too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm hungry too. So I want to see. I'm I'm I've been getting very hungry about this. Yeah. Just so get good. a good opportunity with good weather. Oh yeah. Yeah. So God willingly, it goes well. Um, but. I'm not going to beat myself up if if it doesn't happen. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I've seen myself improve every single year. And so I'm excited to see how, how far I can improve after college, you know, like to see what happens after college because I'm, I'm excited to continue running after college. Um, another goal is to, to PR in the 5K. See, yeah. I'll probably get thrown in the 5K. Hopefully I can go under 17. So Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was actually just thinking, getting ready for the show, I don't think I know your major. Um, Rec- so recreation, sport, and wellness, baby. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Rec uh, sport, wellness, and business administration. That's right. Yeah, I knew you were mm. in business somewhere. Um, but yeah, just tell me about what sparked your interest in that, and what you want to do for a career after you graduate. Yeah. So I would definitely say Pete Chatterton. Um, shout out to Pete Chatterton. He was the one who pushed me to recreation, sport, and wellness. He is uh, Julia's husband. Julia Jurecki's husband, and he he got me into into the rec major when I was a freshman, uh, my second semester freshman year, because I came in as a business major and I hated it, completely completely hated it, and I came in my 
um, you know, the second semester I was pretty down about, you know, education and academics and all that. And I was told, you know what, just give recreation sport a wellness a try. Um, partly because it was one of the only other majors that sound interesting. And I gave it a try. I went into the intro class, um, rec activity analysis with Dr. Jin and Dr. Jin has changed my view on life. She is the, one of the best professors I've ever met and had ever. She cares about each individual and like wholeheartedly cares deeply about you. And the way she teaches is very different, but she really gets her point across and it's very impactful and it's very powerful and i i have a lot of care and love for her um i really do and she's like one of the professors i i can go to and there's no other professors i i feel connected like that to other than like faculty but like professors she's like one of the only ones i can go to like that yeah, we did a podcast with Jay Strauss a couple of weeks ago, and he's mm-hmm. another rec sports wellness major. And he yep. he said the same thing that uh, that Dr. Jin's just amazing and and really cares about her students. Yeah, she she's such an amazing woman. I mean, she she's you know I think it's public news at this point that she is she has let go, but she stuck around to graduate all her her students, um, just showing that she cares more about us as people than than you know than anything else. Um, it's just it's you know it's it's rough being a recreation sport and wellness major on campus knowing that yeah your major isn't around it's changing whatever you want to call it but at the end of the day it's like the, you know this this major this woman is the reason is part of our personal growth and part of the reason yeah. why we are where we are today you know i i hate saying this but business i like it's it's done nothing for me personally. I you know I'm only doing it because it's practical. I don't really care for it. I don't really love it. But you know, in in our society today, in our world today, like oh, a business degree can get you anywhere. And at the end of the day, it's just a piece of paper you need. But if I had to say, you know, if I came to Gordon to study a passion, it's definitely rec sport and wellness, and I'm very passionate about it. I have no passion for business, but. That's okay. Like, you know, I I say follow your passions. Other people say, no, it's it's all about the money. And so some people do business for the money, and it's just not me. Yeah. What kind of music do you like? Oof, hip-hop, Latin. Well, those are my two go-tos. Um, so, yeah, and, and everything and anything hip-hop, from old school to new school to underground to east coast to west coast to boom bap to funk to whatever you want to call it. Latin, um, similar, salsa, old school salsa, new school salsa, merengue, bachata, reggaeton, new school reggaeton, old school reggaeton, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, well, I know you've got the playlist that you're, that you're playing every practice, um, but how'd you get into the, the genres that you're interested in? Uh, Queens, New York, my city, born and raised. Um, I was born in the heart of hip-hop. Um, if you are... I'm from the same neighborhood as 50 Cent, Nicki Minaj, Tribe Called Quest, LL Cool J, um, Mob Deep, Nas, um, Action Bronson dropped out of my high school. Just all these different people who are from Queens alone. We're not even talking about New York City as a whole. But those people I just named are Queens alone. And so it's 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 something you just grow up listening to and you just grow up, um, how do I say, like, 
like you appreciate the art form you appreciate the storytelling you appreciate the character and these people because these are people who um made it made it out in a sense from from our neighborhoods um made it out from you know whatever you want to call it yeah it's just like the art of storytelling um is is what drives a lot of people the the fact that we're able to tell our story through through music and through through rap through poetry um obviously there's a lot of people who don't like rap there's a lot of people who think it's it's trash it's this it's that da, da, da. but i think people just aren't looking hard enough and aren't looking at the the creativity that is out there um one of my idols in music is joey badass and he's from brooklyn he's a little bit older than me but when i was in high school he was dropped he like dropped his first mixtape and that thing blew up across new york city um people in the bronx people in harlem people in in brooklyn new queens were all bumping uh 1999 which was the mixtape he released and it was like it was like a fresh voice for for hip-hop um old school sound with a new school flavor and so that's how i grew up listening to that and at home i listened to latin music because that's what my parents listen to and they you know they love dancing my parents are phenomenal dancers um they really like vibe with each other and so it's something i grew up doing too i grew up dancing salsa and i grew up listening to salsa and, and latin as well and yeah, my parents love love you know they they listen to me and they they hear me out and they love the hip hop music I listen to and I love the Latin music they listen to so it's like a back and forth. Mm. Yeah, but you're not a country fan, is that right? Oof. Um, no, nah, I, I mean I, I like Lil Nas X. I think he he he's good. <laughs> well, you know um, you know a lot of country fans would would tell you Lil Nas X is not country at all though. Yeah, yeah, I I I'm aware yeah. of that. Um, you know I think yeah, but. I think genres can, I think genres can can definitely blend, and I think there there's a lot of like genre bending music out there. Sure. Um, yeah. But if we're talking about true country, definitely like Lil Nas X is definitely not true country. Right. And I don't know what you would define true country. I think of Johnny Cash. Yeah. But I like I like Alan Jackson, mm. Shania Twain. Um, '90s I feel like was I, I prefer '90s country to today it's, it's not that today's country is bad i just mm. i feel like there's a there's a lot more crossover mm. as you were saying oh, but yeah, i feel like that's that's music in general nowadays, today yeah but, to, the thing is today's country is very poppy i yeah, feel like it, it has a very poppy feeling like I, it's not it's not like yeah it, it's not like the traditional country that you hear i mean same thing with like hip-hop there's a genre called pop rap or same thing with rock where it's like it's more like friend like radio friendly yeah i mean think imagine dragons they they call themselves a, a rock band but like it has a pop sound to it sure you know so yeah i, I remember seeing uh when old town road was blowing up mm-hmm. uh just scrolling through some of the youtube comments and one that got like the most thumbs up was saying on the first day Lil nas x performed at the CMA Awards on the second day. Uh, Billy Ray Cyrus performed at the BET Awards. And on the third day, there was world peace. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the cool thing about music is that it could definitely bridge gaps where where you wouldn't have thought ca- gaps could be bridged. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Lil Nas X got a lot of people, a lot of um, you know minorities dancing to to quote unquote country or acting country and whatnot, and. Billy, I mean, people respect Billy Ray Cyrus for what he did with the song. I think I'm gonna be honest; like a lot of people might hate it, but I think it was a really well done song. Um, 
at least the the, the Billy Ray Cyrus and Lil Nas X version because I know there's like yeah. four other versions out there. Yeah, so uh, I just want to bring up briefly here as we as we close the show out. Um, I know you mentioned uh, at Saturday practice last week. You're asking me about Formula E. Um, of mm. course, they have a race in Brooklyn now. Yes, um, July 11th. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you a motorsports fan at all? You keep up with anything? <laughs> Fun fact: I used to be. I used to be a bit like such a huge NASCAR fan when I was like between fifth grade and seventh grade. I would say. Um, mainly because Juan Pablo Montoya used sure. to race NASCAR. Um, he was like, I would one of the only non-American racers, yeah. and he just so happened to be a Colombian racer. So I, yeah. I followed him heavy when he was in NASCAR. Um, yeah, we had Montoya and uh, Marcus Ambrose are from Australia, but mm. pretty much all the rest are from from the states here. Mm. Yeah, and so I, I followed I followed NASCAR a lot. I, I mean, I would watch the Daytona 500. I would watch uh, like every. Every not every race, but I would definitely try to sit down every Saturday to watch the race and whatnot. And I I kind of I kind of grew out of that phase. Um, it was funny. My mom thought I would be a race car driver because I was very into it at the time. But I I just I don't know. I kind of just grew out of the phase. I don't know if I grew out of the phase because of growing up or if because Juan Pablo Montoya left. Like I just wasn't sure. But I eventually I don't know. I eventually I think once I got into I think it was right around the time I got into running that I I started. Yeah like moving away from from motorsports it's i still respect it i i actually went to my very first i think it was arca arca right yeah. the race the riley herps one yes yeah yeah, yeah yeah at pocono yeah at the poconos that was my very first time at a racetrack um what do you it, think it was a very loud experience <laughs> um i never realized how yeah. loud um racetracks can be and so but it was cool nonetheless um it definitely I think the sport, I think that sport specifically has a lot of, it's a very American sport here in the United States. Like, I don't think, I correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's a single black driver, I don't think there's like a single... There's there's one now. There's uh, one? Yeah, Bubba Wallace. All right, progress, started, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, NASCAR's got a whole driver diversity campaign mm-hmm. where they're trying to get uh, minorities and, mm-hmm. and more female drivers yes. involved because, you know, Danica's retired now. Yeah, I was going to um, say. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wendell Scott actually is in the is in the Hall of Fame. He won a race back in the sixties. Oh yeah. And there was a controversy because, you know, think of the South in that in that time oh, period. Yeah. There was a scoring error that mm. was kind of invented out of thin air. Yeah. Um and so they announced another driver as the race winner. Okay. And it was only after a few hours after the race mm. and all the papers had gone to press and everybody had left that they went ahead and gave a trophy and the win over to uh to Wendell Scott. Wow. Um, I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So then and there's been a few here and there. Uh actually I don't you have Netflix? I do. I okay. actually don't have Netflix, but I have access to it through people. All right. I haven't seen it myself yet, but there's a I've seen some chatter. There's a documentary called uh Uppity okay. on Willie T. Ribs and he okay. he did a little bit of NASCAR. He also uh was the first black driver to qualify for the indianapolis 500 okay. um and it's gotten it's gotten great really? reviews that's uh, really so, cool so he was a trailblazer um and yeah just bubba's come on in uh in recent years he's won a few truck races um gotcha. he's now racing for richard petty's team in, oh, cool. in the cup series yeah, um, yeah yeah so uh have you been to the formerly races in I Brooklyn? I have not, but I actually am trying to. I'm trying to plan it for this for this. You summer. want to go this summer? I I mean, yeah. I I think the concept and the idea of having races in cities 
it, it reaches a crowd that's very different because yeah, it does. your traditional your traditional motorsport race um you have to travel to get out there and 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 you know to to make it to even watch a race but if you bring it to where to if you bring it to to the to the city i mean you're going to have all kinds of people kind of like taking a peek at what's happening over here at least that's how i see it and i mean yeah, i like, agree i I mean, for example, me, I got, I, I mean, I was away from motorsports for a very long time. And, you know, I, I recently started looking into Formula E and, and, you know, because my mom every year, she's like, yo, why don't we go to that Formula E race? And like, I don't think much of it, but like, I was thinking about it this year and I was like, you know what? Like, it's literally like, it's such a cool idea because it's in the middle of the city. Like they close down the, the streets and all that just for this race. And, you know, they do the same thing for the New York City Marathon and for road races. So it's like. And it's literally like right in my backyard. Like I don't see why I wouldn't be able to go. Like, you know, why I shouldn't go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's not it's not something you have to really like plan. It's not like a huge effort. All I have to do is hop on the subway and I'm like right there. Yeah. So. Well, I went the first year that they had it in uh in 17. So mm-hmm. right before I came here to Gordon. Um, and it's it's crazy how just in in three seasons, you know, that back back in the day, the batteries. You know, the mm. sport was brand or the series rather was brand new. Yeah. Um. So you had drivers hopping out of their first car because their battery was dead and getting yeah. into their second car. But now the Gen Two cars, the batteries last long enough mm. to the point where they don't have to do that. So. Yeah. I. I also. I. I don't know why, but I am a very big. Um. I don't want to say advocate, but I think the idea of just electric cars and just. Sure. Uh, I don't know if sustainability is the word or or just this idea of being like more environmentally friendly. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of technology and advances of technology. Like, I'm not like the most technologically savvy person, but I like, you know, I love like, you know, when a new phone comes out. Like, I will never get it, yeah. but I love like just hearing about it. Like when new electric cars come out, I love hearing about it and reading up on it. Like when new whatever, like technology continues to advance, and I think it's super cool. So the fact that there, there's a whole, like, I guess what's like series that that's solely electric cars to race. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see where that can go in the future. Yeah. Well, I know one of the criticisms at, at first was, especially back when, you know, drivers had to get mm-hmm. in their second cars, is people were saying, you know, you're attacking F1 because of their massive carbon footprint. When you're racing all over the world, you've got to fly and uh, yeah. transport tr- twice as many cars that's, out that's because each, each driver has two cars. But now, now we don't have to do that. And now yeah. the, the technology continues to improve. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes um no, i agree yeah i just i wish there weren't i don't know it's, it the, feels kind of gimmicky to me you yeah, know it's with like the, the crowd support and yeah fan like boost and and attack mode um but i guess there's there are brand new series i guess there is a market for it but mm. i feel like that's that has kind of held them back like motorsports mm. purists have had a hard time getting into it because i don't know when you have fans directly impacting yeah the I, race, I, I don't know how i feel about no, that I, I as can, a purist yeah. but i i agree with that statement i don't think I don't know. It sounds weird. I don't think it should be implemented at all. What I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, but what I have heard is that um, in this kind of series that the the drivers like are able to, I guess, win or they're, they're able to like really get ahead based on driving skills and not just engine, you know, engine power or how the car is made. Um, because I think all the cars are very like similarly made where like the battery is the same yeah. and the... Yeah, well, in same. F1, it's called a, the Constructors' Championship, the hmm. championship that's tallied by both cars for each team. Um, 
And it's called that because each constructor actually builds the car from the ground up. They have to stay within regulations, obviously. Yeah. Um, but Formula E is just called a team's championship because there's a lot more overlap. So a spec series can uh, mm. have its detriments for various reasons, but it does put it more in the hands of the drivers uh, yeah. if everybody's car is a little bit more equal. Yeah. Um, and that's something you don't see in F1 nowadays. Is uh, You have to go back seven years almost to see the last time a team other than Mercedes, Ferrari, or Red Bull won a race. And you know, mm-hmm. in Formula E, there's easily 70-75% of the field could, could win on any given uh, race weekend. Which I think is super cool. I think yeah. it keeps people on their toes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, we're out of time. Uh, but I appreciate you. I know, I know you're very busy, so taking, no, taking no. an hour out Don't this evening. Don't worry about uh, it. I... Yeah, and, uh, and let me know uh, about, about this summer, because I'd I'd love to go back to Brooklyn to, uh, yeah. to, to see the race again. So, uh, oh, yeah, I could I mean, definitely let, let we, you know. We want to work something out. Yeah, I'd be yeah. down. I'd be. I think it'd be super cool. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you having me on the show, and I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. Thank you for sure. Yeah, yeah, I still got to figure out my plans for this summer, uh, but but mm. we'll see once I get those squared away. Oh, same here. Trust me. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you all if you're listening live. Stay tuned. The fresh take with Will Lott next, right here on Scott Radio. Have a good night, everybody. Take care, y'all.